Welcome to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and joining me today is Mr. Joshua Hendrickson. He's a social-emotional learning uh, facilitator, mental health specialist, mindfulness, and trauma-informed care consultant with the Family Integrated Consulting and Resources Group in Greater New York. And um, as you know, in this time, we're going through a whole lot with this coronavirus, COVID-19, and so it's really amazing and special to hear from people who are at the forefront of what's going on and, and seeing this pandemic firsthand. Joshua's got some great experience and I'm excited to bring his experience with you today. And right before we get started, I wanna let you know quickly to go visit TreyGammons.com to purchase your copy of Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School, a middle and a social and emotional learning workbook for middle and high school students. So without further ado, I welcome Josh to the show. And thank you so much, sir, for your work um, in SEL. And it sounds like you really have a grassroots organization that you're working with. How has this virus, coronavirus, affected you, your city, and your work? Yeah, uh, thank you, Trey, uh, for for inviting me uh, to be part of this process. And, um, you know, it's it's a day-by-day thing right now, Um, actually hour-by-hour. Hmm. Getting local reports from the greater state of New York down to the city level and down to uh, the suburban areas um, where uh, the majority of uh, school districts that we work with uh, and um, uh, our, our staff lives. And it's, it's hard to, you know, believe just, you know, three or four weeks ago, we had, there was very little, um, at least known uh, uh, cases in our region uh, to uh, now, uh, some of the local hospitals uh, being uh, inundated uh, with the surge and, uh, you know, the toll that it's having on uh, healthcare workers and um, the way that the, the state has organized, uh, not only from a physical health perspective, but from a mental health perspective. And right. uh, a couple of days ago, I was li- uh, listening to Governor Cuomo talk about uh, staying, co- uh, staying connected uh, spiritually uh, mm-hmm. through all of this and the importance of the effects of trauma and uh, the emotional uh, aspects and the emotional toll um, uh, that this uh, community health crisis um, is having, which I really feel has been a shift, at least in my experience with language about uh, community events and and community experiences, really putting kind of the emotional uh, aspect at the forefront. Um, And that's, you know, and that's the bulk of what we do um, in, Right now, we've made a shift as an organization to providing uh, integrated mental health, social emotional learning, uh, uh, professional development to uh, crisis counseling and really supporting the communities that we work with uh, as difficult it is to integrate the emotional aspects of their lives um, in, in the face of this uh, uh, global health crisis. Absolutely, absolutely. How, how much, you know, I know it kind of hit everybody from out of nowhere, how long did it take you all to adjust? You know, I, I think you're working with, are you working primarily with schools? Or are you working with individuals? Uh, both. I, I mean, we're, we're still adjusting, right? And, and in my own house, my wife and my daughter are still adjusting mm-hmm. uh, to both working at home and our daughter would normally be in daycare a couple of uh, days or a couple of hours a week. And now we're learning how to be in each other's company and still uh, take on the responsibilities of our, our, our day-to-day life. Um, you carry that out into the to local community, um, watching, you know, schools trying to adjust to 
uh, online learning uh, platforms and uh, being able to reach out and to address uh, students um, that have, uh, you know, emotional and mental health uh, needs in, in, in the midst of all of this while they too are experiencing these disruptions, right? So it's, it's a traumatizing uh, impact across all relationships here, right? Which is unique in, in a, if, if you want to frame it from a natural uh, disaster perspective or a, glo a global, uh, uh, you know, health crisis. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm sure it's going to take even more time to be able to adjust to it, but it's exciting to know that you guys have been able to um, make that adjustment and still serve. I know you said you mentioned the um, weekly PDs on, on building those relationships in the constancy. And, you know, looking at your just your profile and your, your work experience, you have a very interdisciplinary approach to mental health, um, SEL, a holistic approach. How did you get to this place right here? I mean, you you see things in silos, but not always uh, intertwined the way that you're using them. Yeah, you know, I would I would say I think it starts uh, with my family of origin. Um, <clears throat> I've been privileged enough to have um, uh, two wonderful, caring, supportive parents uh, with a very large, uh, extended family uh, who all influenced me. Um, I come from a family that's mostly uh, service professionals, um, teachers, social workers, and nurses. Um, so I, I really feel, uh, you know, blessed in that sense that I, I was taught and supported uh, in service of others very early in my life. Um, and then, you know, moving into, uh, you know, through high school and into undergraduate school, I, I, you know, I really struggled about trying to really feel into what I wanted to do. Mm. Uh, I was successful in sports. I was, you know, successful in class when I applied myself, but I wasn't really finding any uh, core subject area that was super meaningful to me. And I, you know, I had to go through my own experience of anxiety and panic disorder and depressive uh, mm. uh, disorder and had wonderful support by uh, family and extended family and friends and, you know, wonder, uh, wonderful therapists. And it was my uh, connection to uh, friendship through music that really kind of helped me kind of uh, move out of um, that space that I was in. And that's when I found myself in education and then um, ultimately found myself in uh, 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 social work uh, school and finished my bachelor's and then moved to New York. I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. It was a very rural area. Uh, there, you know, there's essentially, uh, I joke around about it, but there's about three stoplights in the entire county. Mm -hmm. uh, so the population is, is very small, but the geographic region, uh, region is very large. Yeah. So moving out to New York for my master's degree was, it was a big shift for my body and, and uh, just a uh, relationship. But it was uh, the relationship that I created through Stony Brook University is where I, I received my master's degree in social work and continued to build uh, working within community mental health um, at that point. Um, across my, my career, I've worked in uh, pretty much just about every um, you know, sector of uh, community mental health, the inpatient, the outpatient, to adolescent, to uh, working uh, with geriatric populations and mm -hmm. really across the entire lifespan. And it was when I was working um, 
with uh, Suffolk County, uh, New York, uh, mental hygiene on a first episode psychosis program where we're looking at individuals in the early stages of, of whether it be schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder, I realized that a lot of my effort was being placed later in the process mm. rather than earlier in the process yeah. of uh, relationship and emotional development. So it was in that experience that I kind of repositioned myself, rededicated myself to the field of mental health. And at the same time, I started pursuing my doctorate in uh, mind-body medicine integrative mental health from Saybrook University uh, that I started to then create this integrative mental health social emotional learning model to be able to bring uh, this work into healthcare systems. And it was, or within education systems. So it was my belief that the only way to really shift healthcare outcomes in our country is actually to do it through our public education system. Mm. And we do that by modeling healthy relationships. So we do that by supporting the adults in relationships with students and enhance their emotional and social resources and yeah. their mental health. And therefore then you can uh, shift that relationship. So our approach is not about creating a curriculum that we do at children, but it was more of a process in which we can, uh, the true curriculum is the learning living relationship between teacher and student. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we this with. Wow. So that was, you know, kind of the transformation for me is uh, shifting, you know, taking, um, you know, my, my therapeutic skill set, my clinical skill set, and my understanding of the human condition and organizational work, and then realizing that we have a, you know, mental health crisis in our school systems, yeah. and we have stress, a stress crisis for our educators, and all of the learning is happening within those relationships. Wow. Right? So if we disrupt that process and create healthier adults, we can create healthier students yeah. and healthier, healthier communities. Absolutely. You know, I have a, my undergrad degree is in psychology as well from Miami, Ohio, and probably not too far away from you. I'm in Northern Indiana, South Bend. So if you're in the peninsula, I guess you still may be a few hours away. But I feel like um, when I first learned about SEL, you know, I, I originally had my psychology background. I had done some work in emotional intelligence. And I was like, wow, this SEL, you know, this is the end or the education version of emotional intelligence. But as I started digging deeper, looking at Castle and other programs and seeing that it's not just explicit direct instruction to students, but there's adult SEL. And even as my role as a consultant, my first job was as an emotional coach to support teachers. And I just realized there was so much baggage, bias, and blind spots that teachers were carrying into the classroom and giving it to the students, essentially. You teach who you are. So can you talk about like what your work looks like in a school or with an individual to bridge some of those gaps and barriers? Yeah, so I mean, it first starts uh, by forming relationship with administrators, teachers, um, champions of the work within a uh, particular school or a district as a whole. And beginning just really forming relationship, having dialogue, coaching them and supporting them um, and their own vision, you know, for their community, right? I, I come from the perspective of uh, that each individual and community has the wisdom inside of themselves uh, to create the life that they want, and uh, it's my job to support that and, and facilitate that. 
And if I can provide some additional resource and knowledge along the way to, to support that process, uh, even better. Uh, so our approach is really an invitational model. So what we end up doing is after having kind of conducting a, a needs assessment, if you will, um, we'll sit down and then we'll uh, meet with teachers at faculty meetings and share you know, the model of our work and what that might look like. And we invite individuals into a process with us. So our process is done within a small group cohort, anywhere between 12 to 15 individuals. Um, and that could be at a building, it could be at a district-wide perspective, K through 12, it could be at an elementary or secondary level. Um, but we invite teachers to go through a process with us. And that process looks um, kind of like this. So we invite individuals, we do a couple of, of uh, uh, days of training where we're kind of teaching the foundations of uh, integrative mental health and social emotional learning. We dive into conceptual frameworks. We talk about the science and the physiology of, of the body from a stress perspective, from an emotional perspective, uh, from a relational and interpersonal relational perspective. And then we train uh, uh, the individuals in uh, what, we, you know, what we call a professional self-care approach. Uh, we teach them to embody mindfulness-based interventions, um, the use of emotional check-ins, uh, the use of movement uh, for learning um, in their own bodies and in the classroom, uh, uh, about intentional language and how we can use language as a, uh, a motivating factor or how it can be uh, amotivational at times, right? Um, and we teach them those skills and then we spend three, um, two to three sessions um, after that coaching individual from a health and wellness lens hmm. to embody this work and and guide them in doing that before we focus on how do we integrate this work into the classroom because the teacher is always bringing themselves into the classroom yeah there's a tendency to be focused on techniques all the time and techniques implies technology which implies like um hmm. uh, humanistic psychologist uh, roland may said uh technology is the knack of rearranging the world so you don't have to experience it, <laughs> right? That's a good one. Right, so we, we really help the teachers to embody themselves, be present with themselves, therefore they have the, the resource to be present with their students. I love it. And, um, yeah, and we do that by helping them bring curiosity uh, to their life and help them bring not only compassion to their students, but compassion to themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. so there's a question that I've been asking educators for the last several years and, 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 and people in general. And I ask, you know, where did you learn how to bring compassion to the world? And mm. generally people will say, you know, my parent or a teacher or my faith. And then when I ask the question, where did you learn how to bring compassion to yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes I get silence or myself. So how do we explain? than for children to have esteem and confidence in themselves if we're not explicitly teaching them how to bring compassion to themselves. Yeah. And we can do that through, you know, your relationships with adults. So we move, we move teachers through this process using, you know, a trauma-informed lens, restorative-based approaches um, uh, within relationships, uh, you know, understanding how to uh, recognize that uh, when harm is caused, how to repair harm and, 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 and um, 
Then also uh, the use of mindfulness-based interventions, like I said, uh, the use of nutrition, mm -hmm. and looking at the impact of food insecurity on child development and, and uh, poverty and uh, how to uh, take care of ourselves through nutrition as well, right? And the use of uh, narrative practices, which, you know, we all have stories, right? Today I'm sharing part of my story with you and you're sharing part of your story. With you. mm -hmm. Every child and every adult comes to a relationship with a story. And the stories and whose voice it is and how it's told have an impact on those relationships. Right. And helping adults understand those stories and their own stories and their children's stories and using that as a tool to strengthen the relationship as well. So we use these kind of integrative approaches to whole person development. And through that process, we hope to transform the individual's relationship with self, with their uh, significant people in their life, their colleagues, and ultimately their students um, uh, to be the best models mm -hmm. can be for students as they grow and learn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's a, that's a good one. I mean, I, I love the approach because it, it really hits on all the components. I had a conversation with David Adams, who leads the Urban Assembly or the SEL director for the Urban Assembly out in New York. And he, he mentioned how a lot of times people will only try to implement one component of, say, SEL. But in your case, you're, you're looking at integrating several components of several different disciplines. How do you see each of the disciplines, mental health, SEL, uh, nutrition, how do you feel, see them coexist together? or support each other even. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they ultimately do. I mean, you know, just thinking, uh, David's a wonderful um, guy and he's doing great work for Urban Assembly and also, you know, the support that he's doing for Castle. So, you know, I just really want to you know, give it you know, mm -hmm. to David for that. Um, we've been trying to meet, but we haven't been able to find the space in our times to do that. But, um, but he's right, you know, so if you look at the history of social emotional learning, you know, you have to look at character education, right? Character education is the root foundation to a lot of this work, right? Um, but I th think what happened with uh, SEL-based approaches is, is that it kind of followed along the same trajectory of uh, traditional uh, curriculum um, in the sense that this is something that we delivered to the students, right? And I'm putting that emphasis on the with, that preposition of with, um, and that it has to, it's a parallel process, right? I'm learning, the teachers we're working with are learning, the students are learning within a parallel integrated process. So when you look at these, these domains that I was talking about, even going back to you know, the, the first piece that you were talking about tonight around the impacts of uh, COVID-19, it shows you how interconnected we are, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, it, it gives us an awareness about our interconnectedness that we oftentimes are, is just underneath the surface of awareness. So nutrition in the foods we eat has an impact on the way that we interact with the world, right? If we're eating a lot of processed foods, um, it's no wonder why our body feels like it went to the mill, you know, several hours later is because it actually is food that's gone through the mill, right? So one of my great colleagues, uh, 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 Jennifer Kelly, uh, she has a company called feedingyourlife.com. Uh, she uh, supports us in the nutritional end of, of, of our work and she does a wonderful job. And that was you know, one of the things that she would often say. So nutrition impacts us 
at a body level, right? Mm -hmm. Movement impacts us at a body level. Our emotions impact us at, at a body level. So in this sense, we are bodied beings, right? And our emotions are just as important to the tapestry of living as our thoughts. So we're thinking, feeling, moving, relational, and meaning-making beings. And if any of those areas of our life are disrupted, it has an impact on our overall wellness. And that's, that's the heart of the philosophy of our work, that we're whole persons, we're relational persons, Mm. And our relationships and our bodies are being impacted um, through these different approaches. And it's my belief that, you know, educators are the masters of the content of, of the work that they do. But there's a whole, whole another dimension of the student um, that is often overlooked in teacher training and even in-service uh, teacher training. Yeah. Right. So the idea is not to create teachers as clinicians or therapists, but that doesn't mean that the relationship with their students can't be therapeutic. Mm -hmm. and, and it's, it's my belief that teachers can really learn these skill sets and these practices and that can transform the relationships with their students. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think this is just really cool to hear, you know, one of my big uh, motivations this past year has really been talking to as many SEL experts as I can. And there's so much phenomenal information and work that's being done across this country that it really excites me um, to see that we have such good leadership and that we're looking to move education in the right direction with everything that's not on the report card. So I, I really do appreciate your time today, Josh. And I know um, we've been working to try to get this scheduled amidst so much chaos going on in the world. Hopefully by the time the people hear this episode, um, it'll be more reflective than the current state of um, the world right now. So thank you so much for your time, sir. Is there any last words you want to share with our audience today? Well, I mean, I, I guess my message is always that all learning and development occurs in relationships. Mm -hmm. right? And the more present we can be in those relationships, uh, the more power uh, that we can, uh, uh, the more we can empower individuals in those relationships, right? And uh, like you say, these decisions matter. These decisions have an impact on, on, on us, right? We have the decisions that we make with children um, have latent impressions. They show up later on in our life, right? It's not the content of what was taught in our classrooms, but the quality of care that was delivered. Mm, absolutely. Thank you so much, man. You, you've been dropping gems all afternoon again in times that are so tough. I thank you for being so mentally strong and willing to serve the people in our times of need. And everybody from listening, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Dash podcast today. Josh, where can we find you at on social media um, and anywhere else? Yeah, so you can find us at www.ficrli.com. That's Family Integrated Consulting and Resources, Long Island. FICRLI.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Project Presence, uh, F-I-C-R, and uh, I-M-S-E-L uh, on uh, Twitter. All righty. You heard it here, man. I really appreciate your time once more. And thank you for listening. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. And before you do anything else, go to TreyGamers.com. Check out Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School. It's a phenomenal resource for this state of the world right now. Opportunities to engage, to continue developing the social and emotional learning skills 
Um, so when we get back to the schools, we will hit the ground running. We will see you next time. This is The Dash.